sure. horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. So, the Lone Ranger. Actually, you know so, what? Let's not talk Lone Ranger until somebody brings us in. <laughs> we gonna... Oh, oh, sorry, I just discovered something new on my... Uh, something shiny? Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of. I was... I just moused over the... Oh, where'd it go? <laughs> what happened? Hey, I'm. You you are so the dog from up. <laughs> oh, there it is! I found it again. How did I get here? What was the What was the dog's name? I don't even remember. In what? Up. What is it? Doug? Uh, Doug. Doug. Yeah, Bill is Doug. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. It only does porn. it. No, no. There's I'm I'm in comic rack, and. <laughs> I moused over the center bottom of the screen, and all of a sudden, this little, this like template popped up with all the different pages. I could go straight to a page. I never knew that was down there. That's why I said, "Ooh, ah, okay, sorry." <laughs> but I digress. You think? What are we talking about? Uh, <sighs> so are we gonna restart the call? <laughs> what was that? I, are we gonna? St- I was gonna say, are we gonna start this the show, or are we gonna just keep <laughs> digressing? I am ready whenever you guys are ready. I'm just waiting for somebody to bring this thing in. <sighs> All right, who's bringing it in? I'm not a good bringer inner. I'll bring it in. You guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me turn my fan off. Oh God, not a cat in here. What? All right. Away. Can I have silence for a moment? Yes. Thank you. As long as the cat doesn't meow. <laughs> Back to the bin. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I believe this is going to be episode 112, and it is going to be our Lone Ranger episode, our, what is is it, the shameless, obligatory, coattails riding Lone Ranger episode. That's pretty good, man. (laughs) Thank you. Wouldn't it be horsetails riding? I am joined today by my two tantos, (laughs) Scott Gardner. Up yours, Kimosabe. And Dr. William Robinson. Oh, no, brown cow. <laughs> How you guys doing? <laughs> Say that again. How you guys doing? <laughs> well, how now, brown cow? Which one are you looking for? <laughs> no, the how you guys do I don't. How Your you guys just doing? cracks me up sometimes, Paul. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, I'm, I, what am I? I'm a clown. I'm here to amuse you. Yes. yes. Make you laugh? Yes. No, no, he's a big boy. He knows what he said. How am I funny? <laughs> funny looking. <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just in a goofy mood tonight. And I got the giggles. I find that that's only on night on days that end in a Y. 
<laughs> exactly. Yes. It's it's just uh, uh, relieving relieving some stress. <laughs> it's it's been a week, man. But I am uh, I am. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Jeez, it's gonna be a long week. It's gonna be a long week. But no, I'm uh, very happy to be back. It feels like I haven't been here on on back to the bins in ages, mostly because I haven't been back here on back to the bins in ages. So, well, we we, we intersperse your episodes in though, so it sounds it seems yes. it seems to the listening crew that you've been almost a regular. It's like yeah, a seamless. Like, Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> if you say so. So we uh, we're doing a Lone Ranger episode now. Are you guys planning on going out and catching the movie right away, or what's the deal? Uh, I don't know. I uh, I'm kind of by my lonesome this weekend, so I got no car, no no lights, no motorboat, no not a single luxury. Uh, I don't know. The lonesome ranger. <laughs> Like Robinson Crusoe, whatever that's gonna be. Now, um, what have you guys been hearing about reviews? Been hearing kind of not too good. I haven't heard uh, of that ever yeah. stops me. But but just from the commercial, it looks to me like Johnny Depp is you know hogging the camera as Tonto, and that the Lone Ranger is gonna be almost an afterthought in it. Mm-hmm. So it's like Chief 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 Sparrow. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. It definitely looks like it's the same instead of Captain Jack. This yeah. the same acting style as as pirates. Uh, Wait, it, did you say acting style and Johnny Depp in the same paragraph? Because well, I use that, acting style loosely. Okay, but it, it it strikes me almost like uh, it. Did you did either of you see the Green Hornet with uh, Seth Rogen? I, I did I not. But it's funny that you bring that up because I just learned recently that uh, that the Green Hornet is actually related to the Lone Ranger, and yes. I never knew that before. Yes, I did. I oh, had heard yeah, that also right. a while yeah. ago. But the way that movie was, you know, Cato was kind of the brains in the operation, and the Green Hornet was kind of a dopey guy. And I, I get the feeling that that's kind of what the dynamic that they're going to go for with this movie, and I don't know if I'm going to like that. I will see it eventually, um, only because, you know, it is the Lone Ranger. It, it does look like it's got, you know, really good effects, a lot of action, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I have a, an affinity for the character and all, and it's a Disney flick, so I'll likely see it. I'm not going to run right out and see it. I'll, I'll catch it on video, you know, catch it on DVD when it comes out, you know, get it at the Red Box, you know, on one of their special yeah. promotions or something like that. But I'm not going to run right out to see it. I have not heard good things um, from the reviews you, and such. And I'm sorry, what? Tell me, can anybody tell me who... Army Hammer is? Am I just not up to speed on things? I know that. Is that bacon soda guy? <laughs> that's what, that's <laughs> what I was soda that you I, put in your freezer. I think, two, I think of two things when I hear hear these commercials starring Johnny Depp and Army Hammer, and I'm like, Arm and Hammer the baking soda, or 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 uh, the guy that played the the drill sergeant in Full Metal Jacket. What? Yeah, apparently, he was in the Social Network. Ah, another uh, movie I didn't see. Yeah, I was just gonna say. You know what I think when I hear Army Hammer? I think of the way the old Universal TV shows used to end with the big silver arm that would come down with a hammer and go doink, doink, and they go dun 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 dun. That's what I think of whenever I hear that. So, if my name was Army Hammer, I would have a sound clip on me just to play that every time I said my name. The big drum roll. 
<laughs> but I'm with you, Scott. I'll see it, but I'll see it at home at some point. I'm not going to go to the movies to see it. Yeah. If uh, if I'm going to the movies, my kids both want to see uh, Monsters University. And uh, there's also my, my son wanted to see uh, World War Z. So I would put both of those ahead of this on my uh, on my playlist. I hear conflicting things about World War Z, but I, I, I don't know about that. Again, that's one. If I ever see it, it's definitely going to be free or very, very cheap because I read the book. I thought it was OK. I'm not all that into it. And uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Brad Pitt right. is one of those box office poison guys to me. I just he's just one of those talentless, pretty boys that I just go, really? This guy again? Wash your wash your hair. You know? <laughs> I, I think I think he actually. I'm not. I can't say I'm like a big fan or anything, but I think he might actually have a little bit of talent. I'm. I'm not so quick to write him off as talentless just yet. Okay. Well, you ought to bring it with him once in a while because I don't ever see it. But I, I like him twelve monkeys. Me. I never did see that one. But again, oh. I, you know, <laughs> I will generally avoid things with him in it. So there's probably not a. There's a, probably a very, very short list of films with him I actually have seen. So I'm trying to think what, I mean, beyond Thor, I'm trying to think of what I'm really excited for. Um, you know, there's obviously there's Thor the Dark Pacific World, which Rim. I'm really psyched. I'm thinking about that one, but again, I don't know that I'll actually go to see it, but I want to see it now. I, I've seen enough about it that I want to see it. The problem with that one is I get the feeling that... Um, it's going to be one of those movies that you really should see on the big screen. It looks like something yeah. that's made specifically to be seen large, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but, that uh, scene, no. scene where the robot's carrying the tanker down the, down the street and he smacks the creature with it. Yes. All, all, although the physics of it are probably impossible because I'm sure the tanker would break in pieces. But anyway, <laughs> that, one, that one has the potential to be awesome <laughs> or it's got the potential to really suck. So yeah. that that could be anywhere on the map. I, I don't know. I'm going to wait until that comes out and I hear some word of mouth on it one way or the other. Right. The only other one I can think of off the top of my head is uh, is Saving Mr. Banks. I'm I'm really, really psyched about that one. But uh, I can't think of anything else. I, I was just looking at uh, one of those upcoming movie sites the other day to see what other stuff is, is coming along. And I'm not, I'm not seeing too much, so... I don't know. Maybe something will come out of nowhere and surprise us between now and uh, Thor time, but I don't know. But man, in the next like couple of years into like 2016, it's gonna get nuts. 2015's got like every movie in the world's coming out. Yeah, you know, there's that what? Star Wars, New Avengers. I mean, just it's it's gonna be crazy that year. I'm gonna be so broke in 2015 just going to the movies. I think they've got. I think I get, uh, they got the second Superman slated. Not that you're going to see that, <laughs> but Scott just saved some money. <laughs> Look at that! You saved money already. I don't know. Oh, they dress man. him up proper. Maybe I'll go. <laughs> Maybe oh, come on. we'll see. Yeah. I mean, they're doing that with Spider-Man. So so what do you far, mean? they're dressing him up different. Spider-Man is uh, the the next one, the Amazing Spider-Man Two or whatever it's going to be called. They're they're putting him in the proper costume, which was largely the reason I skipped Amazing Spider-Man. I just looked at it and said, "Okay, what's this dude from Twilight doing in it?" 
and then he wasn't in the right costume. And that drives me nuts. There's certain characters I think you can get away with that. You know, Cap and Thor being ones, you know, being like that. I mean, I, I, I wish they'd stuck with more of a traditional Cap costume, but it didn't drive me crazy. I mean, there, there, it seemed like there was a logical reason why they deviated from the costume. Thor, he's changed his clothes a lot in the comics. Iron Man changes his armor like every three issues. But Superman and Spider-Man, nah, those are kind of iconic. You really shouldn't play around with those too much. And uh, that one that they had for the first Amazing Spider-Man movie just looked flat ridiculous to me. I was like, what? Dude, what do you have on? What are you wearing? Because he looked more well, like the like the clone one than than the real Spider-Man. So. Well, not lately with Spider-Man. I mean, he's had the spider armor. He's had the Fantastic Four outfit. Um, he's right. Had... But see, that was that was the argument people tried to lay on me with Man of Steel was, well, you know, Superman's had different. Yes, he has. But those are always within story arcs. Those are, you know, when he went electric blue, come on, raise your hand if you thought that he wasn't eventually going to go back to the traditional outfit at some point. So oh, to start yeah. your movie with the wrong uniform, it, to me, you're getting off on the wrong foot. But hmm. <laughs> it's funny. We were just having a uh, having a discussion about that uh, you know, before we got started where, where Paul was saying something about if I if I feel like a movie has a fundamental issue right from the get-go <laughs> that it, it kind of, you know, I'm kind of done with the movie at that point. And I'm, I was trying to think, I was desperate and, to think of uh, some way out of that, you know, argument. And, I was and you like, couldn't come up I, with I, one. You're like, no, oh, I, and, no I eventually well, had to concede. I'm like, you know what? You're right. When you put it that way, fundamental, if I have a fundamental issue with a movie, yeah, generally speaking, it'll it'll pretty much snap me right out of it, and I, I can't be on board. I, I I I will have to give Paul that. That's a that's a good observation on his part because I think it's true. I couldn't well, really think of a movie to uh, to argue the point. I I haven't actually seen. Uh, of course, people are going, "Oh, you haven't seen that yet." I didn't see the um, the latest Amazing Spider-Man because it just didn't really interest me and i'll just catch it i'm still looking to catch it on a jeep somewhere i just uh, it just i i didn't want to see another origin story we just had that and although i hear you in some should, ways it's good you, you know. should come up here then on monday next on july 8th um we're having an outing at work to the amc cinema there at uh, downtown disney they're going to be showing amazing spider-man at uh at 10 p.m that night for three bucks and mm. we're going as like a, like an outing from work with a bunch of bunch of folks from the office and everything. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check it uh, out. I can't make Just it. Just to be back yet. You know? uh, ah, you suck. Are you vehicleless? Yes, until until my wife gets back because uh, I oh, I only have I only have the work truck, so I can't uh, can't drive it for Take non. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> the GPS. What are you doing in Orlando? Uh, service oh, call? Oh, do you really? Uh, you can't just yeah. pull it. Tin You mean you guys no, don't live close no. enough together to just walk? No. No. Oh. No. That's the thing that no. sucks. He and Bill and I, we kind of got the same thing going on that that Michael Bailey and I had going on. We live really close, but it's just far it's enough just, that we don't yeah. ever actually get together. Is it about a two-hour ride? Really yeah, about two, two it, and a half, I think. Something like well, that. Well, you're forty-five minutes from the park, and I'm right, right. You're. Right. You're 45 mm -hmm. from the park, and I'm about an hour, an hour and a half from the park, or hour yeah. 45. So yeah, it's 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 like two and a half or 
Like if I had to go to your house, it would be two hours plus. Yeah. Well, so. it's close enough when you have a good reason to get together at least. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, once once every everybody gets back, I'm I'm gonna try to get over there to do something um, towards the end of July, maybe early August, just to get out of Tampa for a change. Yeah, if I ever, you know, get my ass to Orlando, I expect you to make that ride. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Take the ride the exact opposite way. That won't be that and swim. I was going to say the exact opposite way is about two miles and I'll be in the water. So <laughs> I must have taken a wrong turn at Albuquerque. Splash. Well, see, it's not all about him coming to see me either, because I've been wanting to get down to see him. Because you know, you actually live. Do you live in Tampa or just near Tampa? Just north of Tampa. Just north of Tampa. See, I yeah. I want to get down there because I want to uh, get down and and go to Tampa. I that's been mm-hmm. one of the things I've been wanting to do ever since I moved uh, back to Florida. Because we lived in Tampa when I was really, really, really young, and I want to go see some old haunts, you know, some some places, you know, we used to live and stuff, and try to jog some memories, and just haven't, Did, I haven't been able to make the time, man, with gas the way it is, and working constantly, I, I can't ever seem to get the time to do it, but I want to. Did you ever go to uh, Bush Gardens when you were here? I did, yeah. Somewhere we have some old. Uh, I don't know what they are, Super 8s, I guess, but some old silent, you know, color, you know, home movies from back in the day of me, like, riding elephants and stuff, you know, when I was real little at, at Bush Gardens. I want to go see oh, that because yeah. I'm sure it's completely different now, but... Oh, you, you know, wouldn't even recognize... Brewery and, oh, I, I wouldn't no. anyway. I, I mean, I really don't remember it, but, you know, other than actually from the home movies... Actually, I think the brewery's gone. Uh, they put a roller coaster up in place of the brewery, but I think they still have the the bird sanctuary um, is still there, and the, I think the hospitality house is there. But uh, all that other stuff that you probably remember is long gone because uh, like they've I added. Don't, I really don't remember anything. Yeah. What's funny is uh, one of these days I got to get all those old movies transferred to DVD because my my sister paid to have them transferred to VHS years ago. So they're out there on VHS, but I'd like to get them on DVD. But what's funny is to watch all those old home movies because my dad, he had a wandering eye. So it's like, you know, <laughs> there's a little bit of me like one, you know, like riding elephants and stuff like that. And then the whole rest of these home movies in, in Bush Gardens are him following like women's butts or bouncing boobs or whatever. And it's like, all right, dad. So it's, and it's there was audio very- if there was audio, it'd be like, Dad, I'm over here. Dad, Dad. <laughs> hey, Dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should dub that in sometime. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, yeah, great, great. Oh, yes, Scotty. <laughs> you're doing great, but you're not even looking. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah you're on right. the elephant, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got a big tusk. It's got a big trunk. I'm glad we didn't go to Niagara Falls when I was a kid. I'd have probably been like that kid in Superman too. <laughs> yeah, okay, honey, that's nice. Wow. <laughs> uh, so the Lone Ranger. Yeah. How about that it? Ranger? How about that Lone Ranger? So we got three so who books. Wants to... Yep. And I think you have the oldest book, Scott, so I think you are the first to go. <gasps> Uh-oh. The pressure is mm. on. 
All right. I have kind of a weird one this time around. This was a gift to me in the very, very, very early days of pod of my podcasting career when we were just getting cranking on two true freaks. I think it was very likely the first bit of swag I ever got. Uh, it was definitely among the first, if not the very first thing I ever got, was this big package of just weirdness from our buddy Eric Peterson. And amongst this package of just plain craziness was this particular... It's not really even a comic. What this is is one of those preview... Uh, copies that they used to send out to uh, regular fans and to retailers and stuff to, to kind of give them a heads up of, hey, this book is coming out. This might be something that you'd be interested in buying or ordering or whatever. So it's not actually the, the finished, finished issue at all. It's, it's a l oversized format. Um, it's a little bit bigger than your average magazine. So it's, it's a very odd size. It's entirely in black and white, and all of the pages in here are reproduced from the black and white penciled and inked art pages. So it's it's not even finished. Really neat. I really like this. And uh, it's called simply The Lone Ranger and Tonto, first issue preview. And this was from Topps Comics back in uh, 1994. And it's just listed here as uh, Lone Ranger and Tonto first issue preview, number one. This is by Joe uh, Lansdale and Tim Truman. And it starts off very first page in this. And again, I have no idea what the finished issue looks like. If it runs in this same sequence, has the same page count, or if it even ends at the same place that this one ends. But... The way this one starts is uh, it's South Texas in the 1880s, and it starts out with Tonto decking the Lone Ranger and knocking him on his behind, and then uh, he's making this face, and he just says, stay away from me. And then he says, forever, Kimosabe. And it kind of looks like he may have a tear in his eye, but it's hard to tell because this is in black and white. So I don't know if this is a, a bit of war paint or if it's an actual tear or what. But he uh, grabs up his pack and leaves. And we have the uh, Lone Ranger who's uh, sitting on the floor with a bloody nose. And he's beginning to reminisce about how this came to happen. And we cut to a scene of a, uh, a train, a railroad train, you know, headed down the tracks. And these two guys are uh, shoveling coal uh, into the engine when they see this weird sight on the horizon. And we, as the readers, zoom in, and it's literally like a uh, like a Viking ship that's on wheels, like wagon wheels, and it's using the wind to actually sail across the plains, and it's loaded with all these uh, these bandits, and they're they're kind of a cross between like cowboy bandits and <laughs> like Viking pirates or something, and they actually attack the train and uh, and bring it to a halt uh in order to rob it and they're going through the hold to see what it all is aboard the the train that may be valuable and they actually come across all this uh this aztec stuff 
that's on its way to some museum somewhere and they have the uh, one of the conductors one of the guys that was shoveling the coal earlier is telling him all about you know what the stuff is and how valuable it is and all and as they're talking the uh the crew this pirate crew open up the different packages and they're going through and they're seeing all these different aztec artifacts then they finally open one that's essentially a coffin and inside of it is a petrified alien mummy like outer space alien and from there the book just kind of gets weird and we cut back to uh, a flashback with uh, the Lone Ranger and Tonto. And this is where the seeds are planted of where their breakup came from. With Tonto basically is getting sick of constantly being nothing more than the Lone Ranger's sidekick. Being referred to as an engine and all the... the constant racism that he's facing by the folks that he and the Lone Ranger are actually trying to help and assist. And just the way that they generally treat him, the way he's written about in dime novels and things like that. And uh, he's basically, he's just kind of getting sick of playing second fiddle to the Lone Ranger, who he is beginning to see as as a bit of a grandstander and and a glory hog. And it goes on from there, and there's a a bit of a setup of a plot, but this feels like an incomplete issue. I'm not sure if it actually does end where the finished issue ends or not. Um, There's nothing at the end of the preview to say, um, you know, the end or to be continued or anything like that. So I'm not sure how complete this preview may be. But it has definitely whet my appetite to want to read the rest of the series. I've long wanted to read it. I remember when it was coming out, I was actually working at Media Play at the time this book was coming out. I remember it being on the spinner rack there, and I really wanted to get it. And I don't know why I didn't. I don't know if I was just broke at the time or or what was going on, or maybe it was too much money or something. I, I really can't recall. But I remember being intrigued by it. And just the fact that it's a little bit different a take and of course it has uh you know the alien thing in it all that reminds me very strongly of the uh jonah hex minis that came out under the vertigo banner probably right around this same time i think maybe maybe a little bit later than this but not by much and it seems like it may have a a a similar vibe a similar flavor to it i'm trying to remember who did those and those may be tim truman as well if i'm not mistaken but uh definitely a different kind of story a different kind of take i'm not sure how i feel about some of the portrayals in here it's it's an interesting idea of the lone ranger and tonto being at odds with each other I, I don't so much have a problem with that because I think it makes for an interesting angle, an interesting bit, bit of drama. But the Lone Ranger isn't portrayed in a particularly good light in this. He does come across as a, a, as a bit of an arrogant ass, and I don't like that. I like the Lone Ranger being very much kind of white bread, you know, kind of, you know, he, he's, he's a boy scout. He's doing the right thing. He's, he's a, a pillar of right and good and justice and all that sort of thing. But 
you know, there's still a lot of this where he does in certain aspects, he does act in character. There's a great moment where uh, in the flashback sequence where he and Tonto ride into town and Tonto's just taking guys out left and right. The Lone Ranger, all he does is shoot to disarm. And after the battle is over, Tonto says, now and then, Kimosabi, why don't you just shoot someone in the head? <laughs> and the Lone Ranger says, are you implying you don't trust my marksmanship? He says, uh, I'm saying the head's a bigger target. In fact, why not just aim for the body? That's bigger yet. You can hit a hand. You can, uh, and he says, you can hit a hand. You can hit a head or a chest. And the Lone Ranger just says, uh, that's not my way, Tonto. Besides, it hurts their hand. And he makes a, a, a little, he's not so much making a winky face, but he might as well be making a winky face, just the, the look on his face right there. He's, he's very much looking at the, the reader. And just for that particular moment, it's, uh, it's very traditional comic book. It almost looks like it might be drawn by uh, like George Perez or something, where he's, he's just looking right at the, the reader with a kind of a wistful smile and everything. I, I like that moment, but the rest of it, he's not really all that likable. He's, he's not, um, he kind of blows off Tonto when Tonto raises these issues with him about why he's becoming dissatisfied with their partnership. And, uh, that just seems a little bit out of character to me, but, Overall, I'm intrigued by it. I sure would like to read the rest of the series one of these days if I'm ever able to track it down on the cheap. But that's mine. Have you have you either of you guys read this one? No, I never read it, but in fact I've never even seen it. But based on your synopsis, it, you know, just kind of brings some thoughts to mind is I don't mind there being a misunderstanding between the Ranger and Tonto. <clears throat> you know, they don't have to be, you know, walking step to step in step with each other at all moments it's okay for them to uh to disagree and have have little things but i don't want a series where they're adversarial either you know what i'm saying definitely yeah uh and i think i think it's writing the lone ranger correctly is, is a delicate thing because he should never be boring but the people around him in the story should think he's boring. Right, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's it's like, you know, if you're watching the story, he should be interesting. But the people around him don't see that. And, and you know, they see him as a real white bread kind of guy. Uh, right. So I think it's a, it's a very, very tough character to write. And, and I'm not sure, even, you know, the book that I have that we'll get to, you know, I like the book, but... I'm not 100% sure if they got him quite right. They they do it in that one more, and we'll get to that again, like I said, but they do it by keeping him in the background. In yours, they have him more, you know, in the front, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure if they got him right or not. See, he's one of those characters, I, I completely agree with you. I think he would be kind of tough to write for in the modern audience. You know I mean? Back in the in the forties and fifties, he carried uh, you know his own series for, gosh, I'm not sure how many issues or how many years it was, but it was a good long while, probably a, a, a decade or better. I'm thinking, you know, plus he had you know the TV show, the very famous TV show, and all that. So the character had appeal, but then so did characters like say Superman and Captain Marvel, who today you know we look back on those and they seem again very generic, very white bread. 
that sort of thing. They're characters that in, in the modern era where all of our characters have to have some sort of uh, uh, dark side or some sort of flaw or some sort of catch to their personality or something that they're trying to avenge or something that they're trying to expunge from their history or whatever flawed characters the characters like this seem to have a tough place surviving sales wise in in our world and that's kind of a shame I, i don't know why it is that we can't just have characters that exist and they're just good for goodness sake. And that's kind of the Lone Ranger to me. He's just a good guy. He goes mm-hmm. around doing good deeds for people. What, what's wrong with that? And why do you need more of an explanation than that? And uh, yeah, so I, I feel you. I've never been down with taking what few good and wholesome characters we do have and dirtying them up just to maybe trying to get a sales boost out of them or make them viable or relatable to, to modern audiences. No, I think if you get the right people on it, the right writers and, and that sort of thing that, you know, hopefully a, a character like that would stand on their own and stand out for those virtues. You would think anyway, but I don't know. I mean, the Lone Ranger does seem to be one of those characters that, has has lost a lot of ground over time you know since uh you know really since the original series went off the air he's he's kind of struggled since then to uh to find an audience ever uh, since they wouldn't let clayton moore with a mask yeah yeah i miss very much so i miss the clayton moore series when when you uh when you posted um the legend of the lone ranger commentary up and you guys had a link to the movie i actually watched the movie and i hadn't i had never saw i I never caught that when it came out back in 81 i don't know how i missed it 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 just you know i was a kid then it just completely went by me now now i had seen the lone ranger serial and i liked it and i loved uh uh clayton moore spit it out and uh um you know so i i just don't know why i I missed that. So I, I actually, from watching that, I went back and watched uh, a couple Lone Ranger movies and episodes, and it was like I was like, wow, I really missed this. It was it was really really good. I have another strange question though, since I can't see what you're reading. What outfit do they have the Lone Ranger in? Is he in uh, the traditional Clayton Moore solid blue with you know the belt and the uh, uh, you know is it two tone is it one tone because See, i'm my, noticing it, sorry go ahead oh yours is black and white say, right yeah it's entirely in black and white so it's really hard to tell um but judging strictly by it being black and white see i've seen cover images of this and i'm trying to remember i want to say it is not the baby blue outfit i want to say that it's mm-hmm. it's going back to the much older you know with the red shirt and that and the reason I say that is, for one, you know, like I say, I, I've seen the cover images and it's kind of a lingering memory that I, I am pretty sure he's in the older outfit. But also, that's kind of Tim Truman's shtick. When, whenever he takes one of these established properties, he always has to have that little touch that he does personally where uh, he'll alter it up to kind of put to make his, his stamp on it. Yeah, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. He did that with Jonah Hex 
and I right. really didn't care for it. His Jonah Hex was radically altered from the established you know, model of Jonah Hex that existed mm-hmm. up to the time that he did it. And I'm drew, really glad drew, that once... Uh, he drew Jonah Hex with a handsome face. <laughs> with what? A handsome face. A handsome face? Yeah, he didn't uh, have that, the big... That joke oh. fell flat. Hold on. Wait, oh, okay. cue, I'm sorry. Cue the cricket I, I sound. Yeah, he he did no, a really bizarre take on uh, on Jonah Hex. No, uh, the reason I asked about the outfit is because I've been a little puzzled by the outfit that's coming out in the new movie with the black jacket and just kind of like yeah, it, it's just kind of off putting. I, I don't know if it's just because in my mind I see Clayton Moore as the Lone Ranger, and and I see this guy in the black jacket and like, huh, what? Uh, maybe I'm just an old man. <laughs> for all the crap that uh, that the Clinton Moore version, or excuse me, the Clinton—I always say that Clinton, Clinton. Stillsbury. Brother, I did not took. shoot that Indian. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with yeah, you uh, laugh at Bill's joke. <laughs> <laughs> with the Legend of the Lone Ranger, you know he looked good in that outfit. I mean, it, it was the one that. I, I think the Lone Ranger should have, and uh, and I mean, he did look really good in that one. Okay, not only did he look good, he looked damn good. I couldn't believe looking at this guy. I'm like, one, how tall is this guy? He is just, I mean, not an ounce of fat on him, just solid. Look, uh, God, I sound like I'm really in love with Clayton Moore, but I mean, him just <laughs> looking I'm like, wow, man, look at that outfit, and he's got that dashing scarf and just fabulous. But all right, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are we saying? <laughs> okay, so I looked it up real quick. Okay, anyway, I, I was curious myself. All right, so it's it's kind of a combination, actually. He, from the waist down, he's got like a traditional cowboy, like like you know, buckskin pants and boots and all that. He's got. Gloves with frills on them, like something out of like one of those Wild West shows or something. It's very weird. But his shirt, it's more of like a Union uh, soldier coat, like an officer's coat, but it is Hmm. blue. And then he's got, of course, the white hat and he's got a red scarf. So it's sort of kind of the Lone Ranger as we think of him, but not quite he looks more like he belongs in a in a wild west show than he does you know being uh being a texas ranger but well tonto however looks really good because tim truman is really good at doing uh uh, native americans i don't think you know texas rangers ever wore powder blue anyway so you know right no but i mean you can vary on that don't be a hater paul but it's it's one of those things that's kind of I think that's become very ingrained in the public consciousness that that's how the Lone Ranger looks. Even though yeah. you go back to the you know the original stuff, the the serials and the older comics before the TV show, and he looked nothing like that. But once the TV show came along, that's definitely you know that became the look of the Lone Ranger. Or not? Yeah, I wish they. No, no, no. I just wish they never made him wear dark sunglasses. Ah, yeah. bastards! Hmm. All right, so we're getting very quiet now. 
Who's next? I think my issue is the next one uh, to be released. So I guess we'll go in in order of when they came out. So my book, I had originally picked The Lone Ranger, The Death of Zorro, issue one, until I read it and realized that he only appears as the Lone Ranger in one panel. And I thought, (laughs) probably not the right one to pick. So from there, I went to The Lone Ranger, The Death of Zorro, number two. And that ended up being my book. So this book was published by uh, Dynamite. It came out in 2011. I don't know what month. Uh, it was written by Andy Parks, illustrated by Estevi, Estevi or Esteve Poles. Lettered oh, good. By... I'm, I'm glad you stumbled over that. Now I don't have to worry about when I stumble over it. Okay. <laughs> did, did he also illustrate your book? Yeah, I was going, Steve? I don't know. I'm thinking Esteve. 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 <laughs> It could be hey, Steve. a Steve because all, all, all of the Spanish folks that I work with at work call me a Scott. So it could be a Steve. <laughs> hey, Paul. Okay. Is that the, <laughs> is that the three caballeros? Uh... <laughs> all right. It's lettered by uh, Simone Boland. Colors by Oscar Manuel Martin. And the covers are by Francesco Francavilla. But uh, in order to do issue two, I think I have to give a really quick synopsis of issue number one. And in that issue, we meet the remains of the tribe of the Chumash Indians, who are now limited to living in a mission near Santa Barbara, California. They're attacked and devastated by a troop of renegade soldiers. And then we visit with Don Diego, the aging Zorro, who still has a little gas in the tank, uh, even though he's settled down into retirement. And when he hears about the mission being attacked, he goes on a mission of justice over his wife's objections. And he, despite his advanced age at that point, performs well, but ultimately is shot in the back and killed. The Lone Ranger gets word of what happened and goes to meet up with Tonto and plan for what they're going to do to uh, seek justice in this case. So like, like I said, he's only actually as the Lone Ranger in one panel, and that's why I picked issue number two. So now on to issue number two. Cover of the issue shows the ranger standing in the rain, standing over Zorro's grave. It kind of has minimal color and it sets a dark tone, but not necessarily one that would go against the character. The issue opens in Spain at the home of Ernesto Munoz, uh, where he's doing one-arm push-ups and he receives a visitor telling him that he has, has received a telegram and that they need to leave for America. We look in on the mission where the men are talking about how to keep the remaining tribesmen serving them. And we see that they've put Zorro's body on display to show what they do to heroes. But then we see a sentry quietly taken out. Next, a soldier that is accosting a woman is quickly dispatched. Uh, as is another sentry, and basically Tonto is acting as Jim Fowler to the Lone Ranger's Marlon Perkins at that point. The Ranger finds Zorro's body and removes it. He then meets up with Tonto, and they talk about how the soldiers have a Gatling gun. They agree to bring Zorro's body home, and make plans. And meanwhile, the soldiers say that if they hear about any more incidents, they're going to execute all of the Indians. 
The ranger and Tonto go to Don Diego's ranchero, where they explain to his wife uh, that they're there to help. And at this point, we have a flashback to 25 years earlier, where the ranger's father was trying to make some money so that he could get married. And he runs a cattle drive to California, when, and when he gets there, he's supposed to sell the cattle for $60 a head. But the local businessman, Mr. Cruz, uh, has had the buyer for the cattle killed, steals the money for the cattle, and then goes to the ranger's father and offers him $20 a head. All of this is going on at the same time that Cruz is having a party for the neighbors in the area, which Don Diego is a guest at. Diego overhears what's going on, and that evening visits Cruz as Zorro, and he basically cuts a Z into Cruz's forehead takes the uh, money that Cruz had stolen, gives it back to Reed, and then Reed leaves. And we rejoin the ranger in current time, which is 1870, and he's saying that his father taught him that a man should be more than just a, could be more than just a man and that he should stand up for justice. He says he won't leave until Diego and the Chumega, Chum, excuse me, Chumash Indians are avenged. We then rejoin Senor Munoz, the man from the very beginning of the story, who's aboard a ship that has just reached America, reached America, and he says that they're going to avenge their fallen comrade, and at that point, the story is to be continued. And it fits the bill of what I've said on many of our past episodes, where it makes me want to read the next issue to see what's going to happen. Yeah, definitely. So... I consider this to be a pretty good story. It's not necessarily a great Lone Ranger story, but a good story just the same. Uh, I think the artwork is pretty good. Uh, It's got kind of like a modern sensibility to it with the coloring and everything. But some of the figures seem to be laid out in more of a classic style, you know, from a few years back. So it Mm -hmm. almost seems like a meshing of old and new styles, and I think it really works well for this kind of story. Did you guys get a chance to look at this one? I I did, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed this a lot, because I passed on this series when it came out, and I was actively collecting um, the Lone Ranger title uh, when this came out, but I passed on it because it was Zorro, and um, I'm just not familiar with Zorro. I mean, I I know the basic deal that, you know, he's like, a, doesn't he kind of put on airs like he's a, like a rich fop kind of thing, but then he goes out at night and does his Zorro he's thing, like, kind of like a Scarlet Pimpernel type of deal? Yeah, kind of right? like that. He's like uh, Bruce Wayne, but his parents just weren't killed. <laughs> right. Kind of, you know, he's the rich, he's the rich Spanish playboy. And, you right. know, who everybody, you know, ah, yeah, yeah, you're Zorro. Ah, sure you are. Ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I... I know him in very, very, very broad strokes, but that was about it. And it just, it was one of those things where it's like, nah, I think I can pass on this. But uh, now having read this first issue, uh, I'm intrigued. I want to know where it goes. I want to know, is it really Zorro? Is he really dead? Well, Um, it's it's a five-issue series, and I've now read four of the five. I haven't read the fifth issue yet, and as best as I can tell, yes, it is really Zorro. Hmm. That's pretty bold. Well, I That's think the character cool. of Zorro, I think Zorro is a uh, like a legacy character that gets or the or legacy role that gets passed on to new. Yeah, people. because in some of the movies, like well, like like the latest movie with uh, and well, not the latest, but uh, the recent Antonio Banderas ones, where 
Anthony Hopkins was Zorro, and he passed it on to Antonio Banderas. Right. You know, so so right, yes, yeah. he is a he is a legacy character. And I I thought that was a real the first one the first Anthony uh, Antonio Banderas one I thought was a very good movie. Uh, mm. The sequel I didn't I thought kind of lacked mm. the same fire that the first one had. But if yeah. you haven't seen that first one, I would definitely recommend it. I think the only Zorro movie I've ever seen was Zorro the Gay Blade with uh, <laughs> George, Ham- George Hamilton. George yeah. Hamilton. Yeah, that yeah. one you can pass on. I had seen Zorro <laughs> with, I believe, Tyrone Power uh, many years ago. But then when the Antonio Banderas one came out, like I said, I enjoyed that one very much. The uh, The sequel, not so much. I remember the Zoros with uh, the guy that played uh, Professor Robinson on Lost in Space. And Ricardo Montalban, I think, was the Alcalde, wasn't he? It was his name, Guy. Um, wasn't yeah. it Guy, guy something? That guy. Ah, it's not that guy Williams. Guy Williams, <laughs> guy Williams no. maybe. Maybe. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, so yeah, he he was the he was the the dad in Lost in Space, but he was also Zorro. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Let's see. <gasps> you here. mean I, I knew a, guy, I knew a Disney thing that you Williams didn't know? Is correct. <laughs> yeah, but Lost in Space isn't a Disney thing. But no, yeah, you're but right. I, Guy Williams, that is his name. Yeah, Guy Williams. That was I uh, beat you know that you. show only <laughs> that show only ran two seasons, but it's had seventy eight episodes. So it has as many episodes as Star Trek, but only ran two seasons. That's kind of strange. My dad was a huge fan of the Zorro TV show. I remember him trying to get me into it when I was a kid, and I was just like, eh, not so much. But yeah, he was really into that show. I like the theme song. I always thought the theme song was really cool. It's one of those things I, I you know, I, I have, you know, I'd like to check it out one of these days. I'm not averse to it. I just never, you know, was never all that, never sought it out. You know what I mean? But uh, I like this idea of the Lone Ranger uh, going out to avenge his death. And I get the feeling, it, it feels in this like, Maybe the you know, there's going to be more people than just the Lone Ranger. Like maybe there's a team forming up of of other vigilantes or something. Am I it wrong about that? Could be <laughs> the League of Extraordinary Western Gentlemen. Well, Western, no, yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, there's a group from Spain that's coming over, as you saw the, at the very beginning and very end the, of this issue. The right, Justica or La Just La Justica. Oh, yeah, I don't know if La that's Justica. how it's pronounced or if it's Justica or whatever, but. Right. Apparently they are a band of people that Zorro was a member of. Mm. See, that intrigues me because I, I always like that idea of, you know, sort of the, the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen idea. You know, get these different diverse characters together, throw them into one story. There was a story that Marvel did a number of years ago. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Blaze Cele- of Glory, I think I was the name it was of the it. Celestial Madonna saga. <laughs> no, that was not it. <laughs> it was, uh, I think, the name of it was Blaze of Glory, and it was a, uh, I think it was a four-issue prestige mini, if I remember properly, and it was basically the last hurrah of the Marvel Western characters, and it had everybody in it. I mean, characters that you wouldn't even think of all getting together and everything. Um, basically anybody who was ever anybody as a Marvel Western character was in this series. And oh, uh, it was fantastic. Kid and... 
two, yeah, two guns. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of the dude, Caleb Hammer. That was it. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. The dude, the shotgun. I really liked him. I thought he was cool. Well, he wasn't and a Caleb classic Hammer. Western character. He came around in Marvel Premiere. Probably right. around, around issue, not issue, I know it wasn't issue 50, but it was somewhere around there. Right. So he, he you know, he, he was more a late 70s guy where, like, uh, Two Gun Kid was from the 50s. Right. But that's what I mean, though, is like, you know, if, if they had been a Marvel Western character at some point, I'm pretty sure they were in this series because it was everybody. And it was really cool. And I want to say, I'm trying to remember if Solomon Kane was in it. And I think he was. And I always thought Solomon Kane was actually pretty cool, too. I think he's in that. But it's Sol- pretty neat. Solomon and, Kane. And a, in a Western? Yeah. I this think is so. Solomon Kane, a. More a uh, a little bit past the Conan type, like a swashbuckler type thing. I didn't see him as a Western. Unless I'm I, I could be wrong. I could be people wrong. Confused. I mean, because I'm no expert on on uh, Western characters by any sort, especially Marvel ones. But I remember it just it had a ton of them in there. Because yeah. I remember that being uh, one of those ones where I really had to. Uh, keep hitting the the Wikipedia and or I always <laughs> say Wikipedia, not the Star Wars Wikipedia. Wiki. Well, I just Wikipedia. I just I just punched up Blaze of Glory, the last ride of the Western heroes on Wikipedia. Yep. That's and what I'm the, looking at too. The yeah. main characters are Two Gun Kid, Rawhide Kid, Kid Colt, Outlaw Kid, Reno Jones, Red Wolf, Caleb Hammer, and Gunhawk. Yeah. That actually looks like a series that I might be interested in reading. It was damn good. Joe uh, John Ostrander was the writer on that, and I enjoyed just about anything he ever does. And uh, ah, it was solid. See, Caleb Hammer, you can see him right there on the cover. I took a liking to Caleb Hammer because he's drawn very much to look like Clint Eastwood, but he also looks like uh, kind of like Jonah Hex. Well, Jonah so Hex I, is clearly based on Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, what's uh, funny so- is that... Jonah, Jonah Hex is based on Clint Eastwood, but then Clint Eastwood based Josie Wales on Jonah Hex, so it's very cyclical. <laughs> it's kind of- uh, Solomon Kane is a fictional character created by pulp era writer Robert E. Howard, a late 16th, right. early 17th century Puritan. Who was, uh, yeah, he was more like a swashbuckler type. Uh, all right, yeah, all right, so I was dirt. wrong. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> telling you. I'm Stop not, rubbing I'm it not, in, I'm man. <laughs> Hey, I, I, mean, I, I know, can use Wikipedia like the best of you. <laughs> I mean, I know who he is. I'm just saying, I, I for some reason, I thought he was in there, but I, I'm wrong. I, I think I was thinking of one of these other dudes on the cover that, I don't know, one of the really obscure ones. But I love the cover on here, although the, that one guy clearly looks like uh, Val Kilmer with, with his shades and all that. But it's been a while since I read it, but I really enjoyed it. And there was a there was a Max series as well that, I'm trying to remember if it was a, a spinoff of this or if it just came out around the same time. I can't remember, but there was a Max, one of those Marvel Max series that also used some of the characters uh, that are seen in this thing. Damn, I can't remember what the name of that was now. But Bill, you go ahead and dig into your book. I'll see if maybe I can find it a little bit more. But if this intrigues you, Paul, I would definitely, I would totally be down for doing a, a an episode. Uh, covering this because I think you'd enjoy it. I, I think I would too. I just have to get a hold of it because I do not have it. I I got one question about page five of the uh, of the book. 
All right, so they're up there in the mission, and they have the sign above Zoral that says, what happens to heroes? Now, I know the guys that take over the mission are, um, what are they, renegade, confederate, buck, bushwhackers. Okay, but isn't everybody else around there, don't they only speak Spanish or Chumash Indian? So, so, so the what good does it do to write this? <laughs> so the sign should have been in English? You know, they could say, what was his... I think the message I'm comes. A, come back later. <laughs> I think the message comes a look, comes across pretty clear, even if you can't read the words. Oh, I'm just being a smartass. <laughs> I'm taking a Poor nap. Zorro. Come back later. <laughs> He's sleeping. Let him sleep. I, I like uh, I like that when uh, when the Lone Ranger finally gets over there. Uh, you know, he's kind of overcome a little bit with emotion when he yeah, sees. Yeah, he's. Him. Yeah, he's got his face. He's, he's you know. Oh, and, and, and I was his, a little disappointed his... you guys didn't jump onto my Marlon Perkins, Jim Fowler uh, comment. I got it. I did. <laughs> yes, well, uh, Jim Omaha, was I thought, I, Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. And I, I, not a peep out of you. <laughs> well, well, you know, I try to you try to not not to bust in on people's synopsis, synopses, synopsinosis, synopsis nice. So next time I'll just just ha ha ha. That's that's I'll you know the, what, that's what Mike Bailey would do. <laughs> I'll do the Baylock <laughs> from Star Trek laugh. <laughs> have and then we'll have a little try on you. <laughs> All right, you ready for me to hop into my book? Yes. I take that as a yes. I take the resounding <laughs> silence as a yes. I said, I said yes. I figured you were taking that as a yes. Oh, okay. I take your yes and see your yes. Okay, uh, my book, is, much like Paul's, um, is the second of the beginning of a series. Uh, it's The Lone Ranger, also by Dynamite. This is uh, part two of a six-part story, uh, the story being called Hard Country, and this chapter is called Gun. Uh, it's a three ninety nine cover price, came out, I believe, in February of 2012. So Back to the Bins is a little more back to the present future somewhat and uh it's just mine, the bins <laughs> it's it's yeah it's the bids it's the wall book back to the wall book um and it's the same basically the same creative team as paul's uh written by andy parks art by steve uh letters by simon bolin simone bolin uh cover by francesco francavilla colors by marcelo pinto and there's also special thanks to Scott Schillett, Colin McLaughlin, and Damie Trummel, which I really don't know what for, but they were thanked in the book anyway. Um, so this narrative continues from a previous issue, much like Paul's as well, um, where the Lone Ranger and Tonto had captured a group of men that had attacked a family in the Oklahoma Territory. I don't want to sp spoil any details from that. Uh, in case anyone want, wants to go back, but it was a good story. And it is what kicks off this this whole tale. Uh, we pick up this issue with a flash, flashback. Or if you're Thomas DJ, flashback time! Uh, we find two Native Americans tracking a third in the Colorado Territory in 1867. Uh, the two men catch the third and a struggle ensues in a riverbed. One calls out to Tonto to flip him over, but by then it is too late, as during the struggle, Tonto's knife has ended the life of the man known as Wabanum. The second man is elated, and this angers Tonto, as even though this may be justice, there is no joy in it, 
and only the whites rejoice in killing their own. And um, moving ahead three years in time and over to Abilene, Kansas, um, it is now uh, 1870, and the narration carries over uh, scenes of a well-dressed man with long hair and a mustache to match, riding into town and checking into a room. The man is Clayton S. Woodson, who is at one time one of the region's most feared and respected lawmen. He moved from town to town and gained a reputation for being quick to use his gun and one of the steadiest, if not fastest, draws in the West. He shows some odd behaviors upon reaching his room, such as placing a glass of water at the door, resting his gun on the bed, and downing some liquid from a bottle after grunting in discomfort. So uh, we seem to have a uh, maybe a shootist theme here, the old gunslinger getting along in a tooth in his days. Um, we leave him for now, and we go find the Lone Ranger and Tonto, uh, putting the gang of men from issue one in the local lockup to wait for the marshal. The local deputy is in awe of, uh, of uh, all that is happening to, today in town with uh, Clayton Woods coming into town and also seeing the Lone Ranger. Uh, but the ranger tells Jimmy that uh, he can handle the, handle the town because the marshal had faith in him and, and left him in charge. Uh, meanwhile, back in Clayton Woodson's room, who was resting um, in his bed, he jumps uh, to check the glass by the door. So I'm assuming he has that there, much like uh, a la um, Jurassic Park, to check for vibrations if somebody's coming by, if somebody's rocking the boat, he'll be ready to to be quick on the draw. So he gets up and uh, goes downstairs to um, taking a meal or such. Meanwhile, out in the street, the Lone Ranger is uh, <laughs> is being uh, stopped by a group of kids wanting the Ranger's autograph. Uh, they pepper them with questions about his guns, his horse, his shooting. And one of the kids says, damn, can I hold one? To which the ranger pulls out his pistol and pistol whips him across the face and says, watch your mouth. No, <laughs> not really, but he does say, watch your mouth. And that uh, him and Tonto needed to move, move on, which is code for, beat a kid, you bother me. Uh, the two walk along the street discussing the image that has built up around them. The ranger somewhat positive and joking while Tonto is being, well, a big downer. Um, man, don't invite him to a party. Uh, Debbie Downer, uh, I mean, Tonto rides out to sleep in the wilderness under the stars while the ranger returns to stay in town. Meanwhile, in the local saloon, one of, uh, uh, our fine Mr. Woodson is enjoying the meal he went downstairs for while keeping a keen and watchful eye on the patrons. He noticed one man, one man in particular gazing a little too long in his direction. The man accuses him of shooting his brother last April in Dodge and begins to go for his one, his gun. Woodson warns him to sit down, but as he goes for his gun, Woodson shoots him from under the table. Han Solo, Han Solo style, baby. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. The shot, uh, the shot man calls out, calls him a coward and calls out to Jeb. Jeb? Who the hell is Jeb? At that point, Woodson pivots and shoots Jeb, who is bearing down on him from behind with a shotgun. Uh, Woodson throws a silver piece to the barkeep and says, sorry for the mess, the end. Oh, wait, no, that was a cantina scene. Sorry. Uh, the ranger is preparing for bed, and here's a commotion down in the street. Young, dep young deputy Jimmy Olson, hey, he can have the last name of Olson, 
Uh, Jimmy is holding uh, back the mob from going in and grabbing Woodson. Just as the crowd is ready to enter the saloon and kick Jimmy's ass along the way, the ranger arrives as backup. Jimmy grows a pair and tells the town that the two of them will see to Woodson. They find Woodson packed up and ready to leave. The ranger tells Jimmy to see to the crowd while the adults talk. Uh, the ranger tells Woodson that that if that 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 if he that if it was self defense, then they should have a hearing to clear things up. To which Woodson figures that the judge and the jury would most likely be relatives, and he would be done for, and that he'll take his uh, chances with the crowd. The ranger accuses Woodson of wanting to go off to go out in a blaze of glory. Woodson gives him a fantastic speech about killing and righteousness. That could only be read by Andy Leyland with an American Western accent, so I won't even attempt to read it myself. Suffice to say, the gunslinger does what he does because it is all he can do, be all he can be, knowing half the battle. And whatever. Yo, Joe. Anyway, Woodson turns and says, the only way to stop me is to shoot me in the back. And he says, I don't think you're that type of man, Ranger. So he turns and he heads towards the door, at which point... Uh, the ranger calls out his name and Woodson turns and the ranger takes him out, shoots him in each shoulder, drops his gun and basically tells him that your gunfighting days are over and you're going to have to find a new way to live and we're going to get you to the doctor and that's it. So as the book closes out, we see that um, the narrative tells us that Clay Woodson disappeared from public records in the 1870s. And now we see Kansas City in 1881, and we see to where a gentleman that appears to be Clay Woodson with a, a younger woman, and they seem to be heading back east, and perhaps he's finally found his peace as a gunslinger and, and as a person, and now he's decided to leave that, that, you know, that, that life behind him. Which actually, now upon looking a little closer, I just realized he's missing an arm. Yeah. And I, I totally missed that before. Oh, my God. Well, some great synopsis person I am. So I guess that's why he's not a gunfighter anymore. But uh, but basically, uh, he he has made his peace and he moves. Uh, he he li- lives on for the rest of his you know with with the rest of his days. Boy, I stumbled over that. Sorry about that at the end. <laughs> I I just totally was shocked. I didn't realize he was missing an arm. That's anybody can miss that. Yeah. <laughs> It's not like a pivotal point in the story. Yeah, I, I read Shut this up. earlier today. And... <laughs> yeah, you I read this earlier today. I didn't catch that either. Lone, yeah. Lone Ranger uh, dispenses. He may not kill people, but he dispenses, dispenses justice uh, severely. Yeah. guess that shot was a little too low there, uh, Ranger. Well, I th- no, I, um... I'm, I'm taking it that it was intentional. That that was exactly the he, the outcome he planned on. I don't think he planned on him losing his arm. I'm I'm thinking he did. No, he just pretty he'd probably shoot him, take out a couple tendons. He won't be able, you know, to have the reflexes. You got to remember what the the medicine was like in 1870. You take out <laughs> yeah, a couple of tendons, you're taking off the arm. <laughs> hey, free dead arms gotta go, son. <laughs> but uh, um. One thing I noticed that a- after I watched all those Clayton Moore serials, when I read this book, when I started to read these series, that I'm I'm reading the Lone Ranger lines with Clayton Moore's voice in in my head, and it's really <laughs> weird to read. It is. Has anybody else done that by any chance? It's been long enough since I saw the old shows that that I don't 
have a clear memory of Clayton Moore's voice. Yeah, maybe it was just because it was so fresh in my head. But yeah, I really wish he would have pistol whipped those little kids in the street. They were just really annoying. <laughs> but I picture basically every man in a Western scene is either having Clint Eastwood, Walter Brennan, or Gary Cooper's voice. So it's it's pretty limited uh, voice range. Well, the gunfighter would be Clint Eastwood, or would he be be, actually, be the Lone Ranger? Actually, the gunfighter, the character model is clearly uh, Kurt Russell from Tombstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's the aging gunfighter. I like how he does put put the glass at the door. I guess to see if anybody's walking up. You know, he's real careful with everything he does. He he sleeps with a gun on his bed. He's real overcautious watching everybody. But yeah, I mean this it kind of reminds me of the story of the of uh the John Wayne movie The Shootist too with, with mm-hmm. the aging gun. Although he doesn't, you know, and there he has in that he had cancer and he goes out in a blaze of glory. Right. And you know, this this kid kind of like this guy's just going around trying to find somebody to finally take him out. But uh, you know, Actually, he ends up having a finds a new way, a new way to live. So, I mean, it, it, it was a nice story. It was, it was a nice break in this overall theme in in this um, in, in this arc. And I would, I would, I mean, I really haven't had a big draw to any Western comics, but this Lone Ranger stuff has really piqued my interest. And I've been reading on, and I want to read on. There's like a, I think there's 25 issues here in this. I'm not sure if it's in this volume or the previous one. The one. previous one is 20-something, I think 25, I think you're right, and then this one um, is 12, and okay. I haven't read Volume 2, which is what this one is. This is uh, Issue 2 of Volume 2. This is the first issue I've read of Volume 2, but I read all of Volume 1 and loved it. I thought it was awesome. The only well, now- problem with this series, honestly, is that for the price of the issues... You don't get a whole lot of meat. Now, this one was actually a much meatier read than any of the issues of the original series. Because I, I got the original ones and blew through them in like a single afternoon, all 25 issues. So that that really shouldn't happen with something that you're yeah. reading and paying like five bu- or, you know, four or five bucks an issue for. But mm-hmm. so this one, it, it's nice to see that it is a little bit meatier than the issues that came before it. Well, then, since you read the other ones, because uh, I've read through through this first arc and into the second, and there's a, a recurring character, a guy that was trying to get the ranger to work for him, tried to manipulate him in uh, – well, actually, I guess he – they manipulate him later in this arc, and it's a guy like, like a sleazy business type guy that was trying to get uh, the ranger to work for him. Was that in the first arc too? I mean in the first uh, 25 issues? I was I trying remember to remember name. that. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not sure about that because I know that he did have a friend in the first arc who was very much they they had a relationship very similar to to Batman and Commissioner Gordon. I think the guy was the sheriff of the nearby town or something to that effect. But it's been a while since I've read it now, so I'm I'm really I'm I'm overdue for a reread to kind of refresh myself on you know, who the different characters were and all that. But I, off the top of my head, I, I can't remember a character like that, but I'm not sure. Mm. I'll have to go through and find it. Um, and then just get, get back to you later because there was, 
because I remembered I found a couple issues from the first volume and looked in and I was like, oh, wait a minute, this is the guy that shows up later in this volume. But um, I'm I'm scanning through some of these right now and I can't find it, so I'll look that up later. So, oh, that's that's all I got. Cool. Right. And see, I I had forgotten that the uh, the Rangers outfit in this isn't uh, the traditional blue one either. So essentially, if you change the pants he's got on here to uh, like a tan. Uh, tan color for both his pants and his boots and changes gloves to more like uh, like the gloves like Annie Oakley wore with the frills and all that on them, then that's essentially mm-hmm. the outfit that the Tim Truman version had. Hmm. Overall, I... Yeah, it's better than the new movie one, but I still prefer the, the baby blue one. Yeah. The uniform. So is Dynamite basically where... Like a lot of pulp properties and older properties seem to now be residing. Well, they, oh, they, definitely. You know, they have Green Hornet. They have uh, they have the Shadow. They have the Shadow. Yeah. yeah. They. I'm pretty sure they're the ones that had Buck Rogers not long ago, and that was really good. That was a very. It didn't last very long, but I was digging it. I thought it was very very good. You can get that in back issue bins for a steal, and it's well worth reading. Well, it, it seems like they're not so much pulp uh, products as uh, licensed. Licensed, yeah. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of licensed stuff. Yeah, was, wasn't was Dynamite... Were they doing a Buck... Oh, no, that was... Uh, Blue Water, I think, was doing Buck Rue Bonsai or something like that. They, sure. uh, I, I've read a lot of... Di- you know, over recent times, I've read a lot of Dynamite stuff because, you know, like you mentioned, The Shadow. The Shadow was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bionic Man, at least the first dozen or so issues of that were fantastic. I haven't read much beyond that. It's still going, so there must be something mm-hmm. to it that's keeping people's interest. But I know that the first few issues I read post the Kevin Smith story that opened the book, man, they were rough. The stories weren't very good, and the art was horrible. And I thought the book would tank fast as soon as he left. But to my knowledge, it's still coming out. And there was a big um, crossover event going on where it was the Bionic Man versus the Bionic Woman. And they they were doing that outside of both of those series mm-hmm. as uh, a crossover of its own. So it must be, you know, if it's supporting that, so they must be doing pretty good then, I guess. So I, I plan to get caught up on some point, you know, at some point just to, you know, to see what happened, you know, and if it is actually any good or not. I know that they did go ahead and do uh, Bionic Bigfoot as one of the first stories. No, really? Which, yeah, it seems to me like that would be, you know, that would be the death knell of the series. But like I say, it's still coming out. Mm. So it's like having to do con for a new Star Trek series. (laughs) Don't get me Uh, started. (laughs) Let me poke the bear. (laughs) Stop uh, it. Stop whining the monkey. <laughs> Better than wanking the monkey. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. 
You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.